Welcome to the Improver Network Podcast. The Improver Network mission is to make the world better by helping faith-driven leaders, entrepreneurs, and small business owners improve personally and professionally. Finding balance and maintaining focus in a world of distractions and discouragement can be challenging and frustrating, but we're here to help you discover your purpose, become more productive, and reach your true potential. Now here's your host, Justin Winstead. All right, welcome to the Improver Network podcast, Mr. Tom Ziegler. Uh, I'm your host, Justin Winstead, and we've got our listeners tuning in, and we're so excited to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Justin. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we are super excited to have you. There's a lot of people that know that you're recording this week, and they said, man, we can't wait for the episode to be published. And so we're really anxious to get this and uh, get it uh, fine-tuned and and sent out, uh, because I know that uh, this next little bit of time that we spend together is going to be really helpful and encouraging to someone. And so uh, excited about you being able to, to share with us today. I know you've been an inspiration to me and the whole Ziegler Incorporated uh, just company and framework uh, has been impactful. And so I'm glad that we're sharing that just with more people. <laughs> so, awesome. awesome. Well, I'm excited. Yeah. Well, what I want to do is I want to start out this section of the podcast, just get getting to know you a little bit. I mean, I know you some, but there's some people tuning in that may know of you. Uh, but let's just kind of connect a little bit and learn a little bit more about who Tom Ziegler uh, is. Now, a lot of people are probably familiar with Zig Ziegler and they're like, wait, Ziegler, I, I recognize that name. And so you're the son of Zig Ziegler. And I just can't imagine what it would have been like uh, growing up with Zig Ziegler as your father. And so I'm so curious, like about one of your favorite childhood memories growing up with uh, Zig as dad. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, you know, I get that question a lot. You know, what was that like? And I can tell you uh, that he was better off stage than he was on stage. So wow, that's saying something. So most people uh, remember and recognize him from his speeches and maybe listening to his audio programs, reading his books. Uh, but I remember him and mom uh, just as people you just want to be around, just sincerity. They cared. Uh, Dad was very intentional about everything that he did. Uh, he was kind of an introvert off the stage, uh, and he loved his family. And so he's, you know, he, he was just thrilled whenever the family was around kind of my favorite memories, they all kind of go back to one place with dad. And that was on the golf course. We, uh, he loved golf. There was nobody more passionate about playing golf <laughs> than dad was. And we played a lot of golf together and it was always fun. And, uh, the was only he time good? he was that, was he good? <laughs> it was good. I mean, uh, yeah, he was good though. He was a good golfer. Well, when we first started playing, I would say he shot in the high eighties, low nineties. And then you know, we played until he was uh, in late 70s. And so that that score went down just a little bit over yeah. time. Or I should say the score went up because yeah. it's golf, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, we, we just had so much time, uh, so much fun playing golf. And the only time he was happier with a good shot that he hit was when I hit a good shot. <laughs> so nice. it says a lot, right? You know. Yeah. You can tell a parent uh, when they get more excitement out of their kids doing well. So 
that was just a, just a great memory. And, and we, we had golf trips that we went on together and, you know, we, we just had some, we played in tournaments together. So that time just comes back. That is uh that's incredible. I love how affectionately you speak of them. Even, you know, when we get older, many times we think uh, highly of our parents, we realize how much wiser they were than we originally thought. But it sounds like even as a child, you had that uh, admiration and respect. Did that, did they go through your teen years as well? Because usually teenage years is where there's especially rub with mom and dad. <laughs> you know, uh, I was 12 when I really started playing golf. And then the older I got, the more excited I got about it. So we kind of had this bond um, nice. around, around golf that, you know, that interfered with the normal teen things of, you know, teenagers wanting to find their own way and they know best and all that stuff. I probably did have some of that in me, like most people do, mm -hmm. uh, but it never grew to the extent that it got in the way of our golf. So that's incredible. And that probably had a lot to do with just his positivity, right? <clears throat> you know, positive energy breeds positive energy and it's contagious. So that's fantastic. Well, I want to, uh, you to share with us a funny story. Maybe it was really funny at the time, or maybe it wasn't so funny then, but now you look back and laugh on it. But what's one of those family stories that you look back on and uh, you're like, man, that was, that, that was funny. Well, dad was a prankster and he liked to do little pranks. And so one of the things that he would do is we would go eat at Luby's cafeteria. Okay. I was raised and weaned at Luby's. So for those of you who don't know what a Luby's cafeteria is, it's a famous kind of Southern place. It was all over Dallas. I had a bunch of locations and you go down the cafeteria line, you get your food and you sit down and the, the, they, you know, they, they bring you tea and, and all that good stuff. And so a lot of times I would be with a friend and the friend would come with us to go to Luby's cafeteria and dad would be very, um, deliberate in making sure they got whatever they wanted. And when you're a teenager or 12 or 13 in that age, what you usually wanted included dessert. Yeah, right. And so we would all sit down at the table and then dad would do something distracting. And then he would hide the guest dessert, whatever it was. And I had so many yeah. friends, who would, <laughs> they would search everywhere for it because they knew they'd gotten it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Oh man, that's uh that's fun there. So and so those pranks just continued on, and it was just dad's little little humor uh, that he did, and and kind of I I don't do the same things, but I do make faces in all of our family pictures. So. Yeah, okay, <laughs> all right, man, that is tons of fun there. Well, kind of on the opposite end of the uh, spectrum, when you think about just your personal life, and this doesn't have to be from when you was a child. This could be just. Um, Anytime, but when you think about a, a time when you just failed or really struggled or, man, it just was a tough uh, time, what, what comes to mind and what did you learn from that? Yeah. Well, I talk about this in the book, Choose to Win. Uh, I became the, the president and CEO of the company when I was 30. So dad was out speaking and traveling and I was basically doing the day-to-day -day operations, you know, making sure everything was running and uh, when I was 33, I had this brilliant idea of how we could grow our business. And it, and it really meant starting a separate business on, you know, one that ran parallel. Uh, and it was going to go after a new market, a market that we had a ton of experience with, uh, a huge following in that arena. 
And we were going to sell to that and create a direct sales force at the same time. And we did all the research. Dad was behind it, but it was really my idea. I was spearheading it. And we launched that and it had a great start. And then it just fizzled. And a year later, we had to shut it down. Uh, and we ended up two and a half million dollars in debt because Ooh, of that. Man. So, uh, so I went to bed every night thinking that dad had spent his whole life building his reputation and it had taken me less than a year to crater it. Mm. And the whole time dad never lost his, uh, you know, positive outlook. He, he, he always told me, Hey, this is going to be okay. Don't worry about it. And meanwhile, I'm carrying all this worry, all this baggage. Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't know if you ever had a Nokia flip phone, but yes. they have a very distinctive ring to them. Mm -hmm. And so this is like, how long ago was this? Like 15, this was two, 2001, 2000, 2001 is when this happened. So every day for like a year, I would get to the office at 730, close my door, and then the cell phone would start ringing. And it was people wanting to know when we were going to pay them. <laughs> so, Those are phone calls are not fun to get, are they? No. And when they're relentless. Uh, yeah. And, and from dad, I keep hearing, hey, this is going to be okay. This is going to work out. And it did. Uh, but I remember leaving work uh, one day, probably three or four months into this, and one of my best friends, his name is Bruce Barber. He reached out. He just called me. So on the way home, my phone rings again. I'm like, hello. <laughs> and it's Bruce. And he says, so how's it going? And I said, not so good. It's been another hard day. He goes, well, tell me about it. So I told him about it. And he said, did you take every phone call? And I said, yes. He said, did you tell him the truth on every call, what you could do and what you couldn't do? And I said, yes. And he said, well, then you need to leave that behind because do you think God's happy with that? Mm. And I said, yeah, I think he probably is since I did everything I could. He said, yeah, you need to leave that behind. Go home and enjoy your family. Mm. And that was kind of a turning point um, in that process because, you know, it wasn't, an integrity issue or a morality issue or anything mm -hmm. that got us into that situation. It was, it was just uh, a bad business decision. Yeah. And we had a lot of supporters who thought it would be a home run, uh, but it wasn't. And so we ended up, we worked through all that. God worked. Um, God does what God does. And, mm -hmm. and we were able to pay off that debt and, you know, dad was right. Uh, but it just made me realize that a lot of times, we get into situations that we don't understand that we have very little control over. And really all we can do is all we can do. And as long yes. as we're doing that with integrity, uh, telling the truth, then, you know, the creator's happy. So, man, that is a fantastic lesson. I know a lot of the people who are listeners to our podcast, they identify as an improver. And part of the idea of an improver is that we're always wanting to make things better. We're always wanting to improve. We want to see things maximize their potential. So we have a very forward thinking. We want things to be better, right? And that's just not the way life always is. Sometimes you aim to make something better and then 
in that particular chapter, it actually makes it worse. And that can be a struggle for a lot of us. And man, just you sharing that story, I think is very encouraging just to remember that like, hey, in your in your ambitions and in your mission to try to make the world a better place, we're going to stumble and we're going to fail. And I know a few years ago, it seemed like everything I was touching was turning to gold. And I was like, man, I'm just like winning at this whole life thing. Like, I'm just like doing great. And then it hit me, though, at some point after that season that I looked back and I, I realized that the reason everything I was doing, I was winning at is because I wasn't taking any real risk. I wasn't really trying anything meaningful at that point. And so I was doing safe stuff. So I was winning at all the safe stuff. But at the point when I said, you know what, I'm going to try to do some things that are tough, but that are going to be meaningful and purposeful. I had some victories and those are very sweet, but I also ended up having some failures too. And so some of you out there, you're playing it too safe. And so you're not really having these failures like Tom was talking about. But then some of you, you're failing and you're beating yourself up. And I love your story because it's an encouragement to yeah, focus on what you can control and the inputs and let the outputs land where they may. So, yeah, one of my takeaways from that season was, um, you know, whether it's a win or progress or improving, uh, I kind of come all back to it's about growth. Right. And so Mm -hmm. we might be going through a dry season, but our roots, our roots are going deep because they have to, right. They have to, which Mm -hmm. is going to give us that, additional support in the foundation when we grow again and then the wind comes right because we got to be rooted and it's hard to see that in the middle of that storm uh and i think dad was just looking at me from his you know 60 plus years of experience at that point saying yeah this is just a money storm don't worry about it it's gonna be all right man (laughs) I so, love it. That is it, fantastic. I still haven't. I still haven't gotten to that point of uh, no worry like he was. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, so it sounds like your friend spoke uh, just some life into your world, and just that was a paradigm shift for you. And so that was great. Uh, along the same lines, though, if you can think back to a compliment that you've received or some affirmation, uh, and it sounds like your dad was very affirming, but maybe even from someone else, what's a great compliment that you've received? Uh, there's a there's a couple that you know I was thinking about this. There's a couple that kind of stand out. Um, one of them, I was just starting my uh, speaking career, and I went to speak, and there was about 500 people there. Uh, it was it was a great room, and every gremlin known to man happened. Um, the the short of it is is I had a PowerPoint, and normally I like to plug in my computer. And they said, no, why don't you put it on this disc and or on the USB and then we'll put it on ours because it was their mm-hmm. thing. And so they did. And I went to check it. And the first five slides were perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I get into my talk and about the 10th slide in, they were the same slides, but they were in, out of order. Oh, I have no idea what happened. <laughs> oh, no. They got scrambled. And so it was just a you know, a 30 or 40 minute keynote. Uh, And so the thing you got to remember is when you're doing that, the room has no idea, right? Unless Mm -hmm. you let them know that something's going on. Mm -hmm. And so I just proceeded on and and I told my story and the story I told was um, that 
in my journey, when I was in college, I wanted to be a professional, <clears throat> professional golfer, like on the PGA tour. And that didn't work out. And I, and I told that story. And when I was done, I come off and I'm like, well, you know, that didn't go the way I wanted it to, but I think it went okay based on what was going on in my head with all these slides popping in from these different directions. And so I was signing some books and I'm talking to this guy and I said, what do you think? And he said, the world has enough professional golfers. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Nice. Yes. (laughs) So he had no idea the story that was going on in my head. Right. And so it's funny how a sincere compliment uh, at the right time makes a lot of difference. Another one was I'd gotten done speaking and my daughter was, gosh, I think she was like 18 or 19. So this is seven or eight years ago. She's 27 now, whatever that is. Uh, I heard her tell my wife, hey, he's getting pretty good, isn't he? And she, she doesn't know. She said, dad's getting pre- dad's pretty good, isn't he? So when you can keep your teenage daughter's yes. attention, that was a good, that was a good compliment. Oh, so. man, that is fantastic and wonderful. I appreciate that. You know, um, I'm picking up just in the few little stories that you're telling me now, and I don't want to project this on you, but again, speaking to our improvers uh, that, that listen in, one of the things we talk about often is the imposter syndrome and just this, these, uh, these voices that kind of go and start playing in our head. And, and I know you're really big on making sure you're getting the right content in and you're speaking the right things in. Uh, do, is that something that you feel like is just a universal thing that people uh, and I don't know, I don't want to say you struggle with this like I have. I know a lot of our Improver Network, we just talk about it. That imposter syndrome is a real thing. And we get to tell telling ourselves stuff that is like, you're not capable, you're not worthy, you're not good enough. Um, it sounds like that you've had at least some of that um, over your lifetime, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I think everybody does. You know, as you climb the ladder, if you get more successful, then all of a sudden, you break through to a new level or you get a, a different kind of account or, mm-hmm. or all of a sudden your business, you know, <laughs> it, it turns profitable <laughs> and then it gets more profitable. And you're like, you know, where's the, where's the pe- person pulling the rug out from under me? Right. You just, yeah. And uh, so that, that, that happens to all of us. When, uh, when I first started speaking, people wanted me to speak. I didn't want to speak. You know, I had the greatest speakers in the world on our team. And my job was to prepare a stage for them to go and speak. And, but they said, no, you got something to say. So the first few times I went out, I got great feedback, but man, my stomach was just turning. Like, you know, I didn't Mm -hmm. like, I mean, it was just gut wrenching. Right. And so I had to put myself in the corner, right. Have you ever sat yourself in the corner? (laughs) And I, and I said, what's going on? And, and so what I told myself was that everybody wanted me to speak like my dad. Mm. Well, there's only one Zig Ziglar. Nobody can speak yeah. like him. And I started thinking, well, where did I hear that from? Nobody told me that. Mm-hmm. My dad certainly didn't tell me that. And so then I realized that I needed to change my self-talk, which was, 
hey, you've got to be the person God created you to be, right? You've got to take your gifts and talents, your personality. Uh, you've got to elevate your nerd because I'm a big time nerd on the inside. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and go with your gifts. And then from a preparation and from a principle and values perspective, those are things you can control, right? Those are like we all have control over how much we prepare to some extent, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's exceptions to that. But I said, let let that, you know, live up to, you know, live the same principles and values and prepare like your dad, but be yourself. Mm. That was a very freeing uh, position. That's when the majority of that imposter situation went away. And then I've spoken on big stages with, uh, you know, well-known speakers who command a lot of money and have a huge following. And it's really easy to say, hey, wait a second. Am I supposed to be up here? Mm. But at the same time, it's instantly met with because now I've got the self talk. No, they can't be you. you yeah, you re- you reach a certain uh, individual, a certain group, in a certain way with a certain message, and nobody can deliver it like you can. So your only responsibility is this is what I learned from Dad. Your responsibility is to speak God's truth and love. That's it. Yes, you prepare and you speak God's truth and love. Mm. And, you know, that's where it ends. And so that's really helped me. One of the things you just reminded me of is really that Paul speaks of this. And sometimes people confuse his words on the be all things to all people. And so we assume that we've got to be we got to be everything. And so we've got to be able to reach every single crowd. But that message was not to an individual. It was to a group of people who saying, hey, as the believers, you guys need to try to be all things to all people. But in other parts, he says, some of you have these giftedness, some of you have these talents, and we need to work together, everybody doing what they were gifted and uh, blessed with the ability to do. And when we're all doing our job, it fits together where we're being all things to all people and we're really making things happen. But I was confused about that for a while. And I thought, well, if I've got to be everything, I've got to be able to reach this group of people and I got to be able to do this kind of thing. And I love what you're saying, which is, you know, God's given you a purpose to reach a certain group of people and he's blessed you with certain gifts and you just got to use those. You can't, you can't be everybody else, uh, be your own self. So I love, I love that. So this is a little bit of myth busting going on here and you had to do some myth busting in your own mind on this and the way you're thinking about it. What about myth busting for uh, what maybe how people, how they view what you do or Ziegler Incorporated, what are some things that you find that there's a little bit of a misconception or misunderstanding or just a false belief that people have about you guys or you? Yeah. And I'll kind of, I'll share with you um, just a couple of thoughts on that. Um, In our industry, which is personal development, success, uh, that genre, you know, Norman Vincent Peale, Les Brown, Paul Harvey, Tony Robbins. There's a there's a bunch of people in that industry. Jim Rohn, uh, who've all come along, and there's a really common quote, and that quote says this: "If your mind can conceive it, mm. and you can believe it, then you can achieve it." And Dad did not believe that, and I don't either. Um, and the reason is, and he gives the example. It's the famous Shaquille O'Neal example. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal could could conceive that he was going to be a Kentucky Derby winning jockey, right? Mm-hmm. That could that could enter his mind. He's like, yeah, I could do that. 
And then he could believe it with all of his heart. But there's no way that if Shaquille O'Neal gets on the fastest horse that's ever run the Kentucky Derby, that he's going to win the race, right? Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. just like me at 57, I'm not going to go try out for the Dallas Mavericks and make the team. Mm-hmm. My, you know, my speed, my two-inch vertical leap, all of these things, my, my five-nine-ish height, these are all preventative things yeah. that no matter how much I can conceive it and believe it, I'll achieve it. And so what happens is, is when you, uh, when you follow that path and it doesn't happen, the end of that road is despair, right? Mm-hmm. Be- because wait a second, that's not a, that's not a realistic position to be in. Mm-hmm. Well, then the, the second uh, kind of side of that is, well, what do we then believe? This is what we believe. And that is this, is that until you can conceive it, not if you conceive it, but until you conceive it and believe it, then you have no chance of achieving it. Mm. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that you've got to see the possibility, and then you look at your knowns and God's unknowns, right? You look at the possibility, then you work towards making that happen. Mm-hmm. And so that gives you the freedom to go out and develop something that God's given you and to do it to the best of your extent. Does it guarantee your success? Well, no, it doesn't guarantee your success. But unless you believe that way, the impossible is not going to be made possible. Mm. So here's kind of the the tie-down story on that. Dad's mentor was Fred Smith. Fred was the wisest man that I ever met. And Fred, uh, he passed away about 13 years ago now. He was in his 90s. Uh, The last years of his life were very difficult. He was on kidney dialysis. His health was very poor. And he spent the better part of that last year flat on his back. And his daughter, Brenda, took care of him. And and for like six months of that, she literally had to turn him over uh, to take care of him. His mind was completely there, but his body was just gone. And so he passed away and we go to his memorial service. Well, they played a video that Fred made a couple of months before he passed away. It's like, it's like he knew the time was near and he starts off with, well, I guess I've got everybody's attention. I mean, just classic. humor. (laughs) And then he says, many people have asked me because he was the mentor to the CEOs of the fortune 500. He worked with so many nonprofit charities leaders and he was on their boards He's kind of the guy behind the scenes you never heard of, right? He just knew all these people. And every week for years, he did this thing called breakfast with Fred and people would come from all over and have breakfast with him. Well, at the end of his life, they would end up in his house and he would sit in his bed and he would tell a story or or give them some wisdom and then they would ask questions. So on this video, he says, many people have asked, what's the biggest lesson in life that I've learned? And he said, I only learned it in the last year. He said, here's what I learned. He said, I would would wake up in the morning and God would have laid something on my heart to do. And he said, here I am flat on my back. I can barely open my eyes. I can't even turn over. And I would negotiate with God as to why I wouldn't be able to do that, why I didn't have the strength to do it. Mm. And then he said, when you negotiate with God, you always lose. (laughs) (laughs) 
And he said after a while of negotiation, he would call Brenda in and then he would dictate to her the message God had given him. That's that was his purpose in life at that time was to was to to dictate messages of wisdom that could help other people. And he said, This is when I learned the message. The biggest, the best, the biggest thing I learned in my life. And that is this. When God lays something on your heart to do, your only responsibility is to just start. And the reason is this. God doesn't give you the strength to overcome. He gives you the strength while you're overcoming. Mm. And so I think a lot of times, you know, we have these big dreams, these big visions and that perfectionistic I'm going to remove all the risk. I'm going to learn everything I can. I'm not going to start until the sun and moon aligns and all the days are perfect. And I've got a 20 year security fund over Mm -hmm. here, right? That never happens. If it's truly a a calling, and this is a quote that I have, your, your calling is not meant to fit who you are, but who God created you to become. Mm -hmm. And so I think, We've got to take that uh, that idea that until we can until we can conceive it and believe it, and then we go after it, there's no chance of achieving it, right? So we got to mm-hmm. go after it. And if it's truly a calling, if God's going to get the credit God deserves, yeah. <laughs> He's going to give you what That's you right. need in the middle of the journey, not before you start. Because I've looked in the mirror, I know me, and I'm going to take credit for it if I could do it on my own. And if I get to take credit for it, then it's not big enough. Yes. Man, that is a great word. Well, thank you for sharing that, Tom. Well, I tell you what I want us to do right now. Let's pause for a quick break. And then after we get back from the break, we're going to talk about some challenges that you're facing maybe right now in your company or just in the industry and some of the changes going on. And also, we're going to want to hear some Uh, maybe productivity hacks and tips. Uh, A lot of our people want to be very efficient and uh, we'll talk books and just a lot more. So excited to connect a little bit more after this break. Let's pause for a quick minute. This episode is brought to you by the Improver Network. Members of the Improver Network get exclusive access to bonus episodes of our podcast. Additional member benefits include educational content, encouraging community, and practical coaching to accelerate personal and professional growth. For more information about becoming a member, visit improver.network today. All right. Welcome back to our listeners. Uh, Still here with Tom Ziegler. And man, we're just having a great time hearing all kinds of cool stories and getting good advice. I know anytime we do an event with our Improver Network, we have three main objectives. We always want people to be educated. We want to enlighten them with some kind of information that helps them think differently. We want to encourage their hearts and just lift their spirits. And then we want to equip them with something that they can take and do and implement to make a life, business, whatever better. And so I'm already gathering those three things from what we've done so far on the podcast, being enlightened, encouraged, and equipped. So as we kind of continue that theme uh, would love to hear, we're in the personal uh, growth, success, uh, improvement kind of industry along with you. And I kind of am observing a few things, but I'm curious from your perspective, what are the biggest challenges that maybe you're facing right now, specifically within Ziegler, or maybe just in the broader 
um, industry as a whole? Yeah, I think there's a couple of challenges um, in the industry or when you just boil it down to um, if you're called on to um, coach or mentor or advise someone, uh, some of the cultural things that are going on. Mm. Um, the first one is noise. And there's so much noise out there. It's like 24-7, whether it's social media, the news, uh, all the things, you know, our texts from the moment we wake up until the moment we go to bed, our text is is just it's lit up our work. When does it start? When mm. does it end? Um, you know, with the pandemic and so many more people working either full-time remote or hybrid, uh, there's different uh, people have really changed in general, their overall perspective of life. Uh, it used, and this is a, to me, this is fantastic. Uh, the majority of Americans, they used to put their work in the center of their life and then they, let the rest of life revolve around that. And now with uh, all the things that have happened and more and more people working uh, flexible schedules, they've lost loved ones and friends. Um, collectively, we've, we've had people go through this. So they want their life to matter, mm. right? They, they, they wake up and they go, hey, is this what I was built to do? Yeah. Right? Am, am I making a difference? Um, and, and so, because there wasn't necessarily intentionality on the path they went on. So they're stepping back. So what are they prioritizing now? They're, they're prioritizing their quality of life. Uh, they're prioritizing the time they spend with their family. Uh, a lot of people are prioritizing their health and, and the things that, that make life rich. And so that there's this conflict between, I want my life to matter. And then there's all this noise that comes in. And then we're seeing a real polarization uh, culturally between the left and the right. Um, and th then there's a quote that I I'm really searching as to, you know, what do we do? You know, how do we be a light in the darkness? How do we, because I believe more people are hungry for the truth now than ever, mm. because <laughs> they know that things are right, but they don't know what is right because mm. the noise is not sending them the truth. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just a hard thing. And so I came up with a, a quote the other day and, and here's the quote. And it says this, that, that um, humility is the taproot of wisdom. Mm. And so when we think of leadership, has anybody ever said, you know what I want? I want a, a charismatic, super intelligent, great communicating, brave and courageous fool to be my leader. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that, right. <laughs> but we never hear about wisdom, right? It's like, you know, in all the discussions for the next governor, the next president, the next CEO, it's not like they get on a panel and somebody asks them, well, how do we know you're wise? I mean, it's like, you never even hear the wisdom word, mm -hmm. but don't we need wise leaders right now? Mm -hmm. and, and so I started thinking, well, where does wisdom come from? Well, humility is the taproot of wisdom. So in a plant or a tree, the taproot, that's the root that seeks the water, right? It's the root that goes for the nutrition. It's really seeking the truth, right? In a spiritual context, 
It's the taproot is speaking the truth. So humility is never assuming that I know all the answers that mm-hmm. I've, that, that uh, my position is always right. And you're always wrong. Humility understands that when you talk to somebody, you know, less than 2% of who they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know such a fraction of their journey and what they've been through. And so humility, humility allows us to be kind, to be respectful, to, to really care about somebody else, to be selfless in our response to them, to willingly hear what they have to say. And as leaders, you know, when we get removed from the people on our team, our people on our team, they're the ones who know the answers. Mm. And if we have the opposite of humility, if we're arrogant or prideful or self-righteous, that means that they know it's a waste of their time to come tell you what they know. And so here's the kind of that sequence there. We want wise leaders, but it's hard to tell if someone's wise, right? Because how do you get wisdom? Well, it takes experience. Well, how do you get experience? Well, you, you start a business and then it goes, you have to close it down two and a half million years later or two and a half million dollars later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Right. Yes. It's a, it's a heavy price to pay uh, to get some wisdom. Right. And so when we see somebody who's wise, sometimes it's hard to say, are they really wise? Because they've all got those mm-hmm. decisions they wish they could do over. So then the next question is this, are they humble? Mm-hmm. And if they're humble, then leak, look further, right? Right. Dig in. If they're not humble, keep looking. Yeah. Right. Because right now in a very polarized, divisive situation that we're in, we need humble leaders, mm. right? We need humble leaders who can hear what's going on. Otherwise, you just stick to your position and you get more and more polarized. And yeah. that, doesn't, that doesn't do any good. Man, that's, uh, that's really good. Appreciate that. Um, you know, it seems like it's kind of hard to transition to a, a quick productivity hack or, a, you know, a shortcut when we're talking about something like being wise and going deep and all that. But, you know, we have to balance that, right? We have to balance like being humble and wise and then, you know, really thinking deeply about those things, but also looking for uh, what makes us more efficient, not just more effective. And so I think humility and wisdom are very uh, effective. What are some efficiency tips that are tricks or some things that you're like, man, I discovered this and this just really helped me to get more done in less time or helped me to balance all the spinning plates? What's, what's a tool, tip or hack that you have that might be beneficial to our listeners? Yeah, I talk about it and I call it the perfect start. Um, and, and really, it's just how we start our day. Uh, but I'm only going to talk about one piece of how we start our day. I was uh, speaking and we had a Q&A and, the, and, the, and there's a guy in the Q&A and he raises his hand and he says, Tom, I know there was a lot of things that made Zig Ziglar Zig Ziglar. But what's the one thing that he did that you believe made him who we know him as, right? Mm-hmm. And so I said, you're right. There were a lot of things, uh, but here's the one thing. So for 40 years, he would start his day every day, two, three hours a day, reading, listening to uh, the, the top books on 
on performance and family and business, studying hours and hours in God's word. But he was listening with a motive, and his motive was to learn something new. And then he would internalize it and simplify it so that he could share it with someone else for their benefit. Mm. So his motive was to learn something new to share with someone else for their benefit. And so here's the hack. What if every day at the start of the day, you just took five or 10 minutes to learn something new? Mm. And your goal was to internalize and simplify it. And then you shared it with somebody else that day for their benefit. Mm, Nice. If you did that every day, how much different of a person would you be at the end of the year? Mm. And let me say it again, this is only going to take five or 10 minutes. Well, wouldn't that Mm. require humility? Yes. And lead to wisdom? Because yes. That understanding that I don't know everything and a pure motive of helping someone else, you get transformed in the process. Yeah. So it's not enough just to read a book or do a devotional or listen to something motivational for, you know, while you're working out or 10 or 20 minutes. I mean, that's that's great. That's better than doing nothing. But what if you just tweak that just a little bit and you took the same time and you said, Man, I'm gonna I'm gonna internalize that and then I'm gonna text my my best friend. I'm gonna share it in our company meeting. I'm gonna leave a voicemail to my high school mentor, right? I'm gonna yes. right. I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna share it with somebody else for their benefit. What happens to you at the end of the year? It's it's, a, it's just such a it's it's like what do they say? If it's if it's it's if it's easy to do, it's easy not to do. Yeah, that's true. But that's well, you know, an engine. That's ninja level when you when you start taking five minutes and you start applying it that way. Well, you're making me think of a quote in your book, Choose to Win, that says the fastest way to success is to replace a bad habit with a good habit. And if you combine that with this quote productivity hack here that you're you're mentioning, that's one of the best habits that you could replace. Is hey, if you're starting out your day and within your first 60 to 90 minutes, if you are getting on social media, if you're uh, reading the news, if you're doing these things, that's probably a bad habit that if you would replace that with a good habit of what you're talking about, you know, getting in God's word, uh, reading books, uh, filling your mind with something that's going to help you to grow in your personal or professional life, replacing that bad habit with that good habit is going to get you to success faster. And so that's that's really good. And I think some people will go, well, yeah, that's that's obvious. But again, to your point, it's so obvious or so easy. Like, why aren't we doing it? But that's that's what it takes uh, to do. So that's fantastic there. Uh, along the same lines as uh, tips, uh, I want to think about tools. Like, is there a certain tool that you feel like is indispensable for you and what you do and that you would recommend to people? Like, hey, if you don't have this, then you're probably uh, maybe working hard, but not as smart as you should. <laughs> What's a tool that you really like? I love our performance planner and yep. it's, di- it's different. It's not a, it's not a journal, but people use it to journal. Uh, it's not a calendar, but it has a calendar. It's not an appointment book, but you can keep your appointments in it. Really what it is, is it's a goal setting and achievement system. Uh, if I were going to rename the performance planner, I'd probably rename it to how to get what you want. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Very right. cool. And yeah, and so what it is, it's a it's a it's a it's a planner, it's paper. It's got one week spread over two pages. You write your goals down at the top, your top four goals, and every day you make progress towards those Taking goals. Taking those baby steps. And and it, it's like uh, five to ten minutes a day. Again, this is this is mm-hmm. not a time-consuming, overwhelming thing. And and what's interesting, Justin, is that uh, I read a, or one of my friends told me of a survey or a, st- a study. Only about twenty percent of people really get inspired by goals. Eighty percent are motivated by solving problems. Mm. And so in our system, we call it the goal, the Ziegler goal, seven step goal setting system. You can actually replace the title seven uh, step goal setting system with the seven step problem solving system. Mm-hmm. And the questions are exactly the same. The same. Yeah. Right. So let's say uh, you weigh 200 and your goal is to weigh 180. So you could say, uh, my goal is to weigh 180 pounds. And you go the seven steps. Well, you could flip it and say, my problem is, is I weigh 20 pounds too much. And then you do the seven steps, right? It's the same exact thing, but it's interesting how some people, you know, we're all created different. Some people like achieving goals. Other people like solving problems, but it's really the same path to get there. Yeah, I'm there with you. Well, you know, in addition to doing what we do at the Improver Network, I also own an insurance agency and we run into that with our customers because you get some that their primary motivation is the fear of loss where the others is more of the promise of gain. In other words, uh, getting instant savings now or what have you. And some people are, they're just wired differently. And so that makes a lot of sense. So that planner is something that could be purchased, I guess, on the Ziegler website, then they could uh, reach out to you guys to get it. Or is it on other platforms as well? It's at Ziegler.com. Okay. Ziegler.com. Great. Well, as we kind of get ready to wrap up here, want to definitely transition into that, equip people with things like those tools. And, you know, see the books on your shelf back there. And uh, the two big ones that I can speak to for sure are Choose to Win that we've been chatting about on this call and also see you at the top. And part of the reason I'm highlighting those is because I'm actually a Choose to Win and See You at the Top certified coach through Ziggler. And I love both of those books and both of those programs. And uh, we even hosted a workshop recently on Choose to Win. And so I'm available to uh, do that for any listeners that want to discuss it. In fact, our Improver Network members have uh, special access to some bonus content online related to Choose to Win. And so I'd really encourage our members to get access to that. And that. But I want to ask you, Tom, other than those books, Choose to Win, uh, th- I see Disruptive behind you, uh, See You at the Top, Born to Win, which was, uh, I guess, uh, the original uh, on the winning book from Zig. What other uh, books and maybe even some non-Zigler books as well would you recommend to our listeners? You bet. Well, the, the last book that I came out with is 10 Leadership Virtues for Disruptive Times, and it really speaks to how do we lead right now with all the change that's happened? And one of the things that I hit on, and I think it's true, is that disruption is only going to increase in intensity and frequency. Mm. And so when we learn how to embrace disruption, like as, as an individual, as a leader, when I make disruption my friend, right? Because what does disruption do? Well, negative people say that disruption causes problems. 
But as a Ziegler, I look at the opportunity and I said, what does disruption cause? Opportunities. More people yeah. need to be served. And so when we get focused on solving people's problems and serving people, it's never been a better time than right now to do that. And then when we have that mindset that it gives us an advantage, right? Because most of the world isn't really excited about change and disruption. In fact, they get paralyzed. And so we might have this fear set in about, you know, the great resignation or inflation or even the R word recession. Mm-hmm. Well, what that's doing is it's paralyzing your competition. Yeah. Which gives you more opportunity to go and serve. So that book really is going to, would help inspire people to think about that in a different way and, and use what's seen as an obstacle to become an opportunity there. Okay. That's great. What others? Uh, so here's a, a couple of books that are not Ziegler books that I love. I love uh, Business Secrets of the Bible by mm-hmm. Rabbi Daniel Lappin, just mm-hmm. a powerful book. Uh, there's, there's so many things that, that we do when, when we serve others uh, and we solve problems that have a spiritual connotation. And so for everybody listening, if you've got a product or service that, that solves a problem, you have a moral obligation to go and sell it. Yeah. I mean, uh, Rabbi Lappin says this, that the creator of the universe is never happier with his children than when they're solving the problems of his other children. Mm. And so if you do something that solves a problem of one of God's children, then the creator smiles when you do that. Mm. I mean, that's a pretty powerful, right? Sure. Uh, two books by Bob Bodine I love. I love The Power of Who and Two mm. Chairs, yeah. which are great. So Who is about, you know, how do we develop friends and an and inner circle and how do we uh, build on relationships? That, that book says we already have every relationship we need to go where God wants us to go. We just haven't developed them. And then Two Chairs, uh, boy, what a season for Two Chairs. Uh, that's basically talking about a conversation where every morning you get up, you have two chairs, one for you and one for God. Mm-hmm. And you ask God three questions. Uh, God, do you, do you know what's going on? <laughs> well, yeah. God, yeah. Okay, God. Second question. Are you big enough to handle it? I think well, so. yeah. yeah. And the third question is, okay, what's the plan? And this is where we just be quiet. We just listen, right? We get the download. So, and, and when I talk about noise, some of the noises of our own creation, right? We, we think we got to be doing and reading and, and checking this off the list. Sometimes we just got to sit back and say, okay, God, what are you telling me now? We just got to listen and wait. Yeah, man, that's wonderful. Appreciate those recommendations there. And if you aren't familiar or don't already have those books, I want to encourage you to go grab those and start that new habit <laughs> we were talking about earlier there. Well, this is maybe a odd question for you, but what's one question you wish I'd asked you that I didn't, <laughs> or something that you would have liked to have talked about? And maybe how would you have uh, how would you have answered that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should have asked me. Uh, you know, what are the three biggest challenges going on in business today? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you give a quick bullet point on those three? Do you got those top three that uh, right on the surface? Yes, I do. Uh, well, the the. There was a survey done by JobSage. 2,000 people were asked uh, the question. 28% of them had quit their job in the last two years for mental health reasons. One in four people 
And mm. so if you're listening, think about all the people, you know, does that ring true? So then they asked those people, well, what was the contributing factor that you quit your job? And they had multiple things they could choose. 55% of them said stress and burnout is why they quit. Mm. 38% said depression. 37% said lack of motivation. And so look at this. At Ziegler, we look at the antidote. And this is why choose to win is so powerful because it works as a business leader to your team. It works coaching an individual. It works as an individual trying to improve your own life. So what's the antidote to stress and burnout? It's quality of life. If the seven areas of your life are doing well, you're not going to get stressed and burnout. You might have hard times and busy seasons, but physically, mentally, spiritually, financially, personally, relationally, if you're doing great, <laughs> the business stuff will take care of itself. The second is they quit because of depression. So what's the antidote? Purpose. If we know what our purpose is, right? We've got a clearly defined purpose and we're moving towards it. Happiness is the byproduct of the pursuit of your purpose. And so what's the antidote to depression? It's pursuing your purpose. And the third one is lack of motivation. 37% said that. What's the antidote? It's growth. If I'm growing towards my goals, towards my why, towards my dream, towards my purpose, if I'm growing every day, <laughs> then that internal motivation starts to build. Now, imagine this. You're growing every day towards a purpose and you have balanced life. That's what we're talking about. So I love it when a big study like that shows that what we teach and choose to win and see at the top is exactly the answer. That, that is wonderful. I uh, need to actually get with you and find a link to that. If you could send that over to me or something, I would love to have access to that information. Because as we talked about uh, before we jumped on the podcast today, you know, part of what we're trying to do at the Improver Network is help people to reach their potential. And in part, the way we do that is helping people discover their purpose and become more productive. And so would you, I, we use the word productive, you're using the word growth, but you know, it's all about <laughs> progress uh, towards your goals. So man, that is just uh, very affirming to what we're uh, doing here at the Improver Network. So man, thank you for speaking that in. Um, well, for the listeners who want to continue to stay connected with you after this podcast or maybe find out more about Ziegler, again, I'm a Ziegler coach. Maybe they want to know about coaching. How would they stay connected with you, find out more information? Where would you direct them? Yeah, there's two ways. Uh, first is Ziegler.com. That's where we have all of our information. Um, and then if you could email me directly, Tom at Ziegler.com and just say, hey, I heard you on the on the, on the show with uh, Justin and uh, is he the real deal? And I'll yeah. tell you the truth, right? And, yeah. And that is if you can't get a hold of Justin. So that's who you really should call on this, but I'd be happy to, to uh, answer any emails that come in for sure. Well, that is wonderful. And I know we've been mentioning the Choose to Win book. I want to do something I didn't plan on, but um, I've got a copy here of Choose to Win. In fact, I got a couple extra copies because we did the workshop a few weeks ago and we had a few uh, left over. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you would like uh, a copy of Choose to Win, I'm going to earmark a couple of you uh, out there. Just send us an email to support at improver.network, support at improver.network, and we're going to gift you 
uh, one of these uh, books that we have here. And so we'll, we'll set some of those aside. But uh, for the rest of you, if you want to go to Ziegler.com and purchase books there and also that planner, you can get information uh, about Ziegler there. But man, Tom, this was fantastic. I really love hearing some of your stories and just so encouraging. And the mind is a battleground. And I always appreciate it when I'm able to get around people like you who just speak life and speak truth uh, in, in an encouraging way and can tell your authenticity there and that you really care. And so, man, all that means so much. And I appreciate you taking time to speak to our listeners and our network today. And hopefully we can do this again in the future. Sounds good. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Thanks, Tom. We'll catch you later. Thank you for listening to this production of the Improver Network podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can catch future episodes. For more information about the Improver Network, visit us online at improver.network. That's www.improver.network and connect with us on social. Until next time, keep getting better.